and welcome to the Stable Auto Show. I'm Sean Smith in my new flat with mobile internet, Wi-Fi. So if anything goes wrong, you can blame Sam Green. Hello, Sam. Hello. Hello. I don't see why you should blame me, really. Well, it's, 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 just, it's just always your fault, mate, when it comes to internet. Oh, all right, okay. You inherited my bad ping, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Sharing is caring and all that. Well, absolutely. Um, today, Sam, along with my new flat, uh, there's also a new season of Formula One starting this weekend. There certainly is. And we've had six days, six whole days of testing, Sean. Um, what's, what's that? We've only had three days testing, Sam. Okay. But we also we've had, had... The, the longest shakedown, I think, ever of cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had a three-day shakedown followed by a three-day pre-season test. Yeah. So these cars better be ready. Yeah, I mean, they were, I was surprised really at how little problems people have had. We've had the obvious, which I think we'll probably come on to shortly. Mm. But um, but it's been relatively hassle-free, generally oh, I like, speaking. I like how you get hassle already in that. In oh. <laughs> um, today's show, we're going to be discussing some of the highlights of the, um, shall we say, general testing running of Formula 1. Uh, seeing if there's any exciting things to look out for in this, this new uh, era of, of the sport. And, uh, yeah, basically just uh, see how correct we were with our pre-season um, predictions before we they actually turn the wheel. So uh, here we go. Let's, uh, let's jump into it. Where should we start, Sam? What's, we should biggest, we start? what's the biggest story of testing? Oh, okay. So we're not necessarily going to do chronological order now. We're just going to do the biggest in thing. Uh, it's up to you, mate. Yeah, whatever you want to discuss, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. The okay, we have well... Well, shall we, um, shall we say that the biggest thing to come out of testing is the fact that Mercedes have got no side pods? Well, you say that. They've got side pods. They're just very small. They're just tiny, aren't they? Uh, the zero pod, as they're being known. Um, it should be called the slide pods. You reckon? That's a better name, I think. The slide pods. So, so yeah, it's a little bit closer side pod, though, isn't it? Oh, exactly. The zero right. pod. Yeah, the zero pod makes it sound cooler. You reckon? Yeah. Okay, sound off on Instagram. Do you prefer zero pods or sly pods? Yeah. I'm being sly about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they they didn't they didn't run the um, the sly pods at uh, Barcelona, did they? No. So well, they ran them. They ran the internals, but they didn't have yes. the, uh, the cowling that we saw. No. So what they did basically was have a big vanity panel um, around what eventually obviously became the, the slide pods or the zero pod or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they unveiled that on day two, was uh, it? Or was it day uh, one? Uh, it was day one of the Bahrain test, the proper pre-season test, uh, where they've come out of the pit lane and everyone gone, what is that? That wasn't there last week. Um, I did, my first, um, I think it was, it was either one of our group chats or it was Autosport, everyone going, oh, what is this? <laughs> what have they done? They come with a car with no side pods. And I was like, sorry. <laughs> and then they yeah. see the car in it. Yeah. I don't know. It's not as extreme as the headlines make it sound, but it is an extreme idea. It is, yeah. It's really, um, I guess it's kind of testament to how good their power unit is, really. The fact that they can get away with something as extreme as that because they don't need to worry about cooling it as much. Yeah. Um, obviously, so for those who haven't seen the pictures, uh, there's this tool called Google. Um, <laughs> but no, um, basically, what Mercedes have done is where most 
card have a what's called a Coke bottle shape. So it starts out quite fat at the front, it sort of tapers in towards the tail of the diffuser. Uh, Mercedes basically have squashed in all of the, the bulb at the middle of the car into the cockpit area and around the engine, um, which makes it obviously a very slick design. Um, and yeah, it's, and I think the biggest question we've had is how are they actually doing it rather, rather than um, whether or not it's going to be effective, because that's a different matter entirely. Yeah, and I think, to be totally honest, I think that um, in terms of effectiveness, you're not necessarily going to see that until we start actually racing yeah. with it uh, and we get cars following closely to each other. But the theory behind it is, let's face it, one, very obvious, and two, very solid. It's just lower drag as much as anything. Um, and the car should be just faster generally if it's less draggy. What do you think, Sam? Because obviously both of us have had engineering degrees. We both know how aero sort of works. I'm in a very two minds up about the concept uh, and its effectiveness side. Um, <clears throat> I think, um, and this might be a little bit out there, I think actually they're trying to generate a little bit more dirty air, if anything. Really? Okay. Yeah, so because the side pods are smaller, they can funnel more air um, underneath the rear wing, if that makes sense. Um, to try and push it more towards the rear of the car rather than to sort of activate the rear wing as we've seen with some of them. Um, like we spoke about the Ferrari before with its scalloped side pods. That's clearly to try and activate the rear wing a bit more, push air towards that aerofoil. Um, whereas I don't think this is so much. I think this is basically to help it with straight line speed. Um, but they also, it's not as confident it doesn't seem as confident as they have done before. Because um, when you think about it, previous Mercedes have been very much designed to be at the front and they don't drive well behind other cars. No. Um, this, I think, if they're trying to do... Obviously, it will still work if they're out front, but I think it will be more effective when they're not in front and they can make the most of whatever slipstream they've got. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that is, that's an interesting idea because if it is literally just having a, a bigger expansive space for that air to go into instead of being sort of second handed off the side pods. That's yeah, that's that could that could work. It's an interesting concept. Um, what were your thoughts? Well, I think we've discussed this off off uh, off pod and it's I think that I think that on a low downforce track it's gonna be basically unbeatable because yeah. you're losing that much surface area um, for the air, which, you know, at the end of the day, downforce is drag. It's the same thing. It's just the downforce is effective drag. Um, and it's just going to be the case that it's going to cut through the air better. We know the Mercedes power unit is good. There's not going to be a problem with that. Um, I think that when it comes to places like Monza, maybe Bahrain, actually, I think, but uh, depending, on, mm -hmm. uh, depending on how well it is in the corners, uh, which is my point. Um, I think on the straights, it'll be the fastest by a long way. However, we have seen that with the lack of drag, i.e. also downforce, potentially, um, the car doesn't look as settled um, or as maybe as aero-balanced as it normally is going through a season. So I, I, no. think it, 
if this was a trait that stayed through the whole season, um, places such as maybe the Hungara Ring or go really, but um, maybe Imola or something like that, the car is not going to have the surface area to catch the air and use it effectively, um, as it might have done with previous cars. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree there. Um, I think what's going to be intriguing as well is how it deals with um, places like Monaco, where as silly as it sounds, cooling is more of an issue as well. I know at Bahrain, obviously, it's a sort of evening to night race, so it's a little bit cooler air temperature rather than the really, really hot daytime temperatures. Mm-hmm. But somewhere like Monaco, where it's all sort of not stagnant air, that's the wrong word, but you know what I mean, like in between the buildings, somewhere like Baku could be the same, where you get, where it's quite hot air temperature, and because it's all built up area, there's not the wind or anything to help. I think the cooling could be interesting there. Um, But I mean, in theory, and like like we said on our previous one, after the car launches, it, it looks pretty good. Let's face it, it looks fairly quick. Um, but maybe, yeah, not quite as planted as as we might have seen in previous years. But I think a lot of the cars have been like that. Um, we've seen a lot more sort of um, cars breaking traction under acceleration, coming through the corners and things. Uh, maybe not spinning out completely, but sort of sliding the car in places than we have done in the, in the last five years or so, really. Um the only really exception to that is the, I suppose, the next biggest story of testing, which is how well Ferrari is. That car does look the most planted of the lot. It looks looks very good, doesn't it? It does just look very good. And all through all of the pre-season activities, shall we call them, yeah. um, they've been fast as well. Yeah, they've been fast, they've been consistent, they haven't broken down. Yeah, the car... The, the, so the last time Ferrari had a winter like this was in 2000 and I want to say 17. And then first race in Oz, they just were way off the pace and the ladies were ahead of them by a long way. But um, this this is um, promising, shall we say, for a Tifosi fan. I'd say so. I would say so. Um, and both drivers seem to be doing pretty good lap times. Uh, they all do plenty. They've both done plenty of laps as well, um, and yeah, like we said, there's been no major issues as there with with the car, which which is good. And actually, even um, and let's say it now for the first time, the word porpoising uh, we're probably going to hear of a lot this season. The Ferrari doesn't seem to suffer as badly as some of the other cars as well. No. The Mercedes does though, which is yeah, back to the previous point. The Mercedes yeah. a lot. Yes, uh, and maybe that's just because they are running a more um on edge setup. We don't really know exactly, but um but yeah, should we define porpoising now so we don't have to do it every so every sure, time we meet this season. I'm with Ted Kravitz on this where I don't really call it porpoising, I call it more sort of hopping. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, the porpoising effect is basically when the car is loaded up with aero as it comes down the main straight, as the car's building speed and all the force that go through it are happening. Um the weather new uh, ground effect cars are stuck in the back of the car to the road. Um, it's basically causing the bottom to bottom out and sort of tap along the 
along the surface, which is causing it to make a sort noise, um, either more more or less so, depending on how extreme the porpoising effect is. Um, the Mercedes has that a lot. You can see it just sort of literally bouncing um, along the tarmac. All the half cars which look like the Ferrari, which will really only see it right at the end of the straight as the braking zone appears, where you'd normally have a bumpier surface anyway. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, early part of the season, I think, with regards to it. But yeah, add anything else you want to that one, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I think you've covered it really, mate. Um, it is that, it's that fluctuation between generating downforce and the air stalling, which is why the car is sort of bringing up and down, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it, it does look as like a lot of the sort of driver-facing onboards you know, that, that one where you look back at the visor of the driver, and we've seen a few of those, and it looks very, very uncomfortable, verging on not safe for some of the drivers, because there's no way they can see at the speed they're doing, and then to add this porpoising in, where they're basically, their bolt is directly onto the car, really, aren't they? And let's face it, if the car's springing up and down at a fair rate of knots, that can't be easy to see your braking point. Um, I mean, the neck... For those who do like sim racing, if you turn your um, like the vibra like movement vibration or something, if you turn that to about three hundred percent, you might get close to what they're not seeing. Yeah, um, it's just blurs, really. You're just looking for roughly where that board is. You can't actually read the two hundred board or whatever you're actually breaking. You just know roughly where it is. Mm -hmm. You're breaking there um, to the point where it genuinely looks like Wayne's World with some of these. Um, like they're just head banging as they get down the straights. Um, which I think Daniel Ricciardo did anyway, because he is a heavy metal fan. But um, maybe that's why he was off this week. Maybe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I think it's whoever gets over that first and can solve that problem completely uh, is going to do well this year, definitely. And I think Ferrari certainly seem to have a step, uh, yeah, a step on everybody else at the moment. Yeah. Um, for anyone who needed a sort of better visual. Um, ideology of what's happening here if you get yourself a little funnel you know a measuring funnel um and a cup of water if you pour that water in slowly just so it, it comes in through the big open top of the funnel as it would be for the front of the diffuser um and you see it's just flowing out normally if you then pour lots of it in one go you start getting it pulled up on top of the um the nozzle that's effectively what's happening midway down the diffusers or at the end of the diffusers as the gap that's available for the air um, is being closed by the car being squashed down to the ground. Yeah. Or, you know, when uh, if you have a two-litre bottle of water and you turn it upside down and it sort oh, yeah, of glugs yeah. its way out, yeah, that's because it's all trying to escape too quickly, basically. It's a similar pressure difference. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's going to be interesting. It's, it's, mm. it's probably, I think, one of the most interesting things about these ground effect cars because on track, they don't look like what you might expect from a ground effect car, i.e. You know, 400 mile an hour corner speeds and that sort of thing. But um, they do, they, they look quite similar around corners. They're obviously slower because they're heavier and not got as much downforce. But yeah, they're, uh, they're interesting so far. I mean, it's clearly working, the ground effect, <laughs> though, because we were expecting the lap times to be a lot slower than they are. Yeah. Um, um, it's been, what, three, four seconds? 
Yeah, but everyone was saying sort of five to seven seconds slower, especially around somewhere like Bahrain. There is sort of not as many, well, it's not much cornering really at Bahrain, is it? This is the first sector really, and that's about it. Everything else is kind of straight lines or long, fast corners. But yeah. ground effect is less prevalent, I'd say. Um, but uh, but certainly effective. So clearly the teams have done quite well to uh, go faster than we thought they were going to put it that way. Um, but um, but no, I don't know. What do we think about the wheel brows? I'm <laughs> stealing this from Ted Kravitz as well, wheel brow. I like them, personally. I actually think they. I've completely got used to them now. I don't really see them. The same with the bigger wheels. I don't think it makes any difference anymore. When you first saw those stills of the car and renderings of the car, you go, wow, they look really, really big. Now you actually see them on track. There's not, I don't see the difference really between many of them. No, I mean. I'm sure it is different to drive on, but. Yeah, I mean, we've driven the, um, the, what's it called? The um, RSS 2022 car. Um, And that's got the wheel brows. Or whatever you would call them, the winglets around the wheels. Um, yeah, you don't notice them at all, and especially if you've dri- ever driven a Le Mans car. You know, you you don't notice the fact that the wheel arches are there, or the um, or nowadays they have the holes in the top of the wheel the wheel arches for Le Mans cars. Mm. You just you just don't notice it. I think it's exactly the same. With that is um, that's the point that Martin Brundle made. To be fair, he said when he's driven sort of prototypes and sports cars and things. <clears throat> It's very much the same sort of thing where you just sort of don't really look at them and the halo as well. We always thought we thought this initially about the halo, didn't we? And actually, because of where the halo is, you don't see that middle stalk because mm. you're looking beyond it. Mm. <laughs> the halo, I think, the halo is more obstructive than the uh, the wheel brows. I'd yeah, I'd definitely say that. But I think as well it, at speed, you're not. Because you're looking further down the road, you're not looking at the halo, are you? So you kind of end up with this sort of little blind spot where you don't see it as much. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, no, I've, I've, it'd be interesting to see how pit stops are affected. Because if anyone catches the, the rim or the tyre on those wheel brows, um, that could be uh, costly, shall we say, when it comes to you know the, the, the relatively quick pit stop times we have nowadays. Could also, if it, if they did some damage to it, could affect the drag and then the whole car's aero as well. I don't think I don't think they'll be that effective um, for drag purposes. They're too small. Are they are they a standardised part? These or are they open to design? I don't know actually. Because if if they are open, then a lot of the teams have definitely gone with the same um, thinking, and they all look very very similar. Mm-hmm. Um. um... I but what I also mean is, them. if they are designed by the teams as well, then there's a good chance that um, they are funneling air towards somewhere useful. Well, the idea of them is obviously to tidy up the vast amounts of dirty air that comes off a spinning mass, which is the tyre. Um, True. Are they only, they're only yeah. on the front tyres, aren't they? They're only on the front, yeah, because the rear, because of where the new rear wings are. They're kind of alongside the mm. rear, the rear wheels. I would have thought, though, you know, for the whole FIA um, dirty air getting rid of thing, you know, I thought the rear wheels might be maybe more effective. Because you remember, you remember the on IndyCar a few years ago, they used to have the the rear wheel sort of pods behind the rear wheel. 
Yeah, yeah. I thought you know something something like that might have actually been even more beneficial for this rule set. Uh-huh. Rule set. Yeah, like like a little almost box diffuser, isn't it, behind the rear wheel? Yeah. Um. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's talk about Renault. Like, sorry, okay. Alpi- Alpi- yeah. Alpine. <laughs> uh, they've had probably debatably the worst test. I would say so. Not necessarily in terms of their pace, but in terms of just being re- remarkably unremarkable. <laughs> they've been quite unreliable. And they've not really set the world on fire on lap times. No. Um I mean, Ocon managed fifth fastest on day two. Um, but that, I think, is the only... Yeah, that's the best result they had throughout all six of the days. Um, and even then, he was seven-tenths off of science. It was top. Mm. I'm just going to have a look on Crash.net to see if I can get the combined lap times. Um, thank you. So I accept all your cookies. I love cookies. Um, yeah, so yeah, Ocon 17th overall. Alonso, mm. where is he? Fourth, okay, that's that's, okay, that's, well, that's not bad. No, it's uh, not. yeah, to be fair, final day he was third quickest. I just I didn't see that, but even then, he was a second off of Verstappen. Verstappen Nine was on, he was on softer tyres over Verstappen, yes, um, true. Just for and we don't know things like fuel loads or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, do we? So no, let's, let's, I mean, that, that, that all, the, all of the times, all the times for testing, you have to take with a pinch of salt. Let's face yeah, it, um, because you don't know. There's too many unknowns to make them properly compatible. I mean, put it this way: um, if the rate of to be, if the grid was set from the lap times made this last week, uh, the race was today or tomorrow. Uh, Verstappen would be on pole. Okay, uh, Mick Schumacher would be second. The Haas. <laughs> uh, interesting. Follow- Followed by Leclerc and Alonso, and then George Russell and Bottas, Yuki Tsunoda, Perez, Norris and Magnussen rounding out top ten. Carlos Sainz, Sebastian Vettel, Pierre Gasly, Guan Yu Zhou, or Zhou Guan Yu, because he's Chinese. They have their names backwards. Uh, Lance Stroll, Lewis Hamilton on the eighth row, which would be great. Uh, sorry, it would be awful. Yeah. Um, uh, Esteban Ocon, Alex Albon, and the back row would be Nicholas Latifi and Pietro Fittipaldi, which is odd there's only 20 oh because ricardo wasn't there of course yeah yes yeah ricardo didn't do the um this test unfortunately did he yeah so it would be a weird grid because we'd have three hasses yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so that would be surprising um uh, so yeah i think it's uh, is it the normal um thing that you know we've learned nothing really from testing in terms of the actual pace of everyone's cars yeah i think that's Probably the case, to be totally honest. Um, I don't think you can read too much into it, just purely because, um, yeah, like we said, there's too many unknowns, really, to really push and say this is the definitive order. Um, But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I would be, as long as the field is close, then that's fine by my, in my books. That's, it doesn't really matter what the order is if it's mixed up is mixed up great but even if it is still the same teams at the top as long as the guys behind them are much closer it doesn't matter so much do you think uh it will be closer this year i think so um if we look at i think certainly talks, so just if we look at just the c4 tire 
Mick Schumacher's fastest on that with a Thorn 32.2. The slowest on the C4 tyre is Alex Albon, 18th place with a 35.0. So that is nearly three seconds. Yeah, no, granted. But like we said, there's a lot of different uh, variables with that go along with that as well. Yep. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> if you look at what arguably might be a slightly better representation is looking at the per day result because obviously although they the the, the conditions won't have changed drastically mm-hmm. in theory you can't really compare day to day because there will be slightly different air temperatures or humidity or whatever it is yeah, um that's fair. so you're better off looking at the day um and actually if you look at that on day one albon was fifth fastest um he was slightly further down on day three when he retook the car from uh, Latifi, but um, but fifth fastest for the Williams is pretty good. I think it would be interesting. Um, I don't know. Do we think that we're... Well, I mean, do we have any idea what the order's going to be, really? Not really, no. No. Other than that Ferrari no. look quite good, I think Red Bull look quite good. The rest yeah, that's true. The, Red Bull do look good, and I sure. think... I think most of the Bahraini desert has been used by Mercedes to um, <laughs> fill up some bags. Well, yeah, if they um, haven't had, had enough of it on the car, then they've been going off track so often and wide so often, they've obviously been trying to scoop it up. Yeah, this is a thing that essentially a lot of drivers, and again, weirdly, not so much Ferrari, but a lot of drivers and a lot of different cars um, have been really struggling with low-speed turn-in. Let's talk um, about that. Because it's to do with the aero we've already discussed, along with the tyres and the added weight. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so essentially the cars now have to be a lot stiffer. Because of the ground effect, you can't have a car that rolls about. Because if it rolls, you're losing pressure on one side. Which is obviously then going to make the whole downforce less effective. Mm-hmm. Um The tyres are also stiffer because they're now low profile. Whereas before we had quite a big bendy sidewall there's none of that anymore um so we have the situation where the car is heavier we have a stiffer suspension system and stiffer tires and it means that quite a lot we've seen a lot of a lot of locking up generally under brakes um a huge amount of locking up and low speed turn in seems to be very very tricky um Certainly, is it turn seven at Bahrain, which is the one that's sort of a left-hander? Yeah, onto the second or maybe third DRS zone. I can't remember the one in the middle of the circuit. Um, Everyone knows the corner when they see it. I just don't. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Yeah, where it's a a cambered, quite tight left-hand corner with a curved braking zone. everyone has struggled with that i don't think there's a single the car that hasn't run off of the road there a few times in the last three days um, but certainly the ferraris seem to be doing it last oh is it turn 10 okay turn 10 yeah. um <laughs> um but no i think so that's going to be interesting for places like for example monaco uh maybe some parts of baku as well where it's quite a low speed turn in although it's quite a fast circuit um so yeah, this it could be interesting with that um, because they can't because the front wings are so much more simplified. 
They can't just crank some more front wing on and hope it works. They also can't soften the suspension to help it because that's kind of defeats the point of the ground effect. Yeah. Uh, you'll get even worse por porpoising further up the car. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but no, I don't know. Difficult si situation the teams are going to have to try and overcome. Yeah. I mean, that's, are, we, are we surprised? Are we surprised that the teams haven't just clicked and got it? Perfect, straight away. Oh, no. um, well, we we discussed this over the winter, um, whether or not this rule change is bigger or not than the two thousand and nine change. Um, I say, I, I think I was. I'm surprised by how much the porpoising has been a problem. Yeah, I didn't. I thought we might see a little bit of that initially, and then they'd all just go, "Okay, well, we'll just do this then," and that would fix it, and it would just be done. Yeah, but, we all um, we all thought on the first day we saw it, just oh, we'll just make the suspension harder. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just just have the stop so that it it can't get that low. But yeah, you almost need a bump stop, don't we? <clears throat> um, yeah, but the car doesn't have a bump stop. They don't want bump stops uh, <laughs> because it it stiffens it even more and then would just make the suspension even stiffer and then that would make the low speed handling even worse. Yeah but you don't have porpoising at low speed. No but you just still struggle with that turn in like think about how, how many cars we've seen running off the track before the apex so just right, missing yeah. the apex completely um, that, that would be even worse if they stiffened the suspension up to try and fix that problem Yeah Plus, you'd probably also lock up more because the the flex of the car is not allowing that extra bit of that load transfer, basically, between the front and rear axle. Exactly, yeah. And it's the side-to-side -side load transfer as well, which is the problem, um, where if the if you're turning into a left-hand corner, that right-hand side can't go down low enough to keep the front wheel from being in the air to all intents and purposes, and then that's the one that is locking up. Obviously, it's the inside wheel, which is the that's, unloaded one. I was about to say, that's the weird thing about what we've seen from lots of these lockups, is that when the, at the end of the main straight, it's the left-hand side of the car, it's the outside wheel, which is locking up. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, that is very odd, and we've seen a few double-wheel lockups as well, with both front wheels locking, which is very, very unusual, especially in Formula 1. Hmm. Um but I mean, the, the teams will be able to fix some of that with brake migration to change the the bias through the braking zone, which is still, I think, really, really clever. Every time I hear about it, I think that's really clever. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it it seems to be a trait of the car that they are more difficult under braking, which is good, I suppose. That's where you get most of your overtakes done. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, is it another? Is this sort of an on top of? result um from the change to brake by a wire whenever that was how many years ago uh potentially yeah you, know, you, you lose some feeling of the brakes yeah i mean there's yeah you will do i suppose to a certain extent you'll lose some feeling because you're not physically connected to the brakes anymore are you so um so maybe they'll have to do something with that or adjust the ridiculously high pressure that you have to press the brake with at the moment um because I can't remember what the figure is, but even again, it's, that's it's another one of those things that when you hear it every time, you go, "Blimey, that's a lot." Uh, of how much? If it's something stupid like 150 kilos, I think it is something like that. Yeah, to fully depress the brake pedal in a Formula One car, hmm. um, which is 
a, a huge amount of weight to be pressing with one foot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, what did, okay, let's go on to... I mean, we sort of, do we have anything else sort of from testing to, to analyse this overly? Oh, let's talk about Haas. Uh, yeah, I'd say probably just Haas, really. Um, so Haas... <laughs> do, do we say that the, the winter of Haas has been a good one or a bad one? We don't know. It's I would... you, can, you can say both ways. <laughs> There's certainly swings and roundabouts for them, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, has has for those who haven't seen the pictures, uh, have gone back, to, have got, have carried on with their ways since they started. Of every other year, having the white and red and black color scheme, they had in 2016, 2018, 2020, and now 2022. Um, <laughs> wh wh why is that, Sam? I, I think I might have missed that memo. Uh, there's uh, there's. There's a certain reason, isn't there, which is uh, to all intents and purposes, Vladimir Putin. Oh, okay. Um, it's, it's, so... this, this time, it's not you know just them changing their colours like it was in 2017 when they went to grey and then they went back to the normal. There's not this. It's not some dodgy sponsor. Well, uh, it sort of is a dodgy sponsor. Oh yeah, um, kind of. It's it's not a dodgy fake company sponsor like it was in 2019 and then to 2020. Uh, this time is due to the war in Ukraine, which you know is. Yeah. Uh, as sad as that is, by the way, I don't think we've actually mentioned it on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's awful what's happening over there, and uh, we wish everyone, everyone in that country all the best. Um, fortunately, Formula One won't be going to the Russian Grand Prix. Um, Rightly so. Yes, um, and also the FIA have finally it took them it took them a while, but they have mm, they've banned basically anything Russian. Full stop um, to do with motorsport. Um, yeah. Which, on the drivers' front, I'm not a fan of for the same reason that I'm not a fan of, um, like athlete Russian athletes in athletics not being allowed to have a Russian flag because I don't think it's because it's it's sort of blanketing, blanket ban rather rather than individual consequences. But I can yeah I can see what they've done. But the positive side is Nikita Mazepin won't be racing this year. Yeah. Um... So yeah, essentially what they've done is is say that they're not accepting any Russian license or Belarusian, but that probably doesn't affect as many drivers. Um, no. So yeah, we won't have a Nikita Mazepin. We also won't have a Robert Schwartzman in Formula Two. That's which... um, well, Robert Schwartzman not really Russian, is he? Well, this is the thing that he does race under a Russian license. He does, yeah. That's the um, trouble. <laughs> I suppose he's Russian, yeah. I thought I thought he had um, like dual citizenship. Oh no, he's he's born in Israel. So there you go. Just get an Israeli license. Well, you just have to do that, won't he? Because then Jordan he then he, he might he, he might have to miss some uh, Middle Eastern races due to eventual kick kickoffs there. <laughs> but you know. Yeah. Um, but do we think it's uh, harsh on Mazepin? To have to be chucked to basically be chucked out of Formula One by one by the FIA and two by the team for something that he's like we we're saying with the with the doping thing that he's not really involved in. Um, with Nikita Mazepin, it's harsh the way he's been kicked out, but I don't think the fact that he's been kicked out is a problem. I don't care that. No, I mean this is um, this is what I was saying to someone at work the other day. Actually, is that it's sad that this is the reason he's been kicked out. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not sad he's been kicked out. No, he's um. Let's be, okay. Let's be let's be fair to Mazepin in F two. He was quick. Okay, he was I'm not, not gonna, bad in F two. Yeah, not, to be I'm fair, gonna, to him. I'm not going to say he was good, but he was quick. Yeah, he he deserved maybe a mention with Formula One stuff, but not necessarily getting the seat. Where did he finish that year? 2020. Make sure he was, won it, obviously. Um, obviously. I think he was something like fifth, four, wasn't he? Uh, do, 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 he was fifth. Yeah. Beaten, by, beaten by Robert Schwarzman. Yeah, so he's beaten by Schwarzman, Islet. And um, Sonoda. Yeah. Um, see, the, see, <laughs> see, I think Callum Islet should have still got that seat, but that's a, that's I, a, yeah. that's a, previous, uh, a previous podcast discussion. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> um, what is Arla doing now? Is he in an IndyCar? He's doing IndyCar with Kunkas, yeah. Hmm. Doing the full season, including the ovals. Well, as a as a Ferrari junior, hopefully he gets a shot at the, uh, the World Endurance Championship car, which comes along soon enough. Hopefully, um, yeah. Anyway, yes. Um, so he has uh, dropped Euro Carly and I Schwarzman. Sorry, not Schwarzman. Um, Mazepin, uh, both senior and junior. And they brought in the Kevin. Yes, Kevin Magnuson is back. They, if, if they 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 wanted a, they gone from an aggressive driver to Kevin Magnuson on track. So you know, has his bills better be in check? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that they, all the reasons they've said about why they brought Magnuson back is because they needed some experience to try and help develop this car. Um, because obviously Mick, although he's had a season now, he's still very new, um, and he's not really been involved in developing a car before, because every, everything he's driven before now has been spec. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we need someone that, or the house needs someone that's going to know how to develop it and what to develop and and give good feedback, which I'm sure Mick does, but clarify and... um His context. Yeah, exactly. And you need a benchmark as well. You need an experienced driver as a benchmark, really, because it doesn't matter how well Mick was doing. He was racing Mazepin, who was last. So it will make more... It gives more context to how well Mick does now, showing against Magnussen. If Mick beats Magnussen in the first race, first of all, would you be surprised? Um... Probably not, no. Okay, what about through the season? I'd be more surprised about the whole season. I think in terms of um, how well he's prepared, I would think at the beginning of the season he's going to have the upper hand purely because he was expecting to be driving the car this year. Magnussen, yeah. with the best will in the world, wasn't. Um, well, he was expected to go to um, Sergio. Well, yeah, IMSA does uh, do the Cadillac and then Peugeot for the hypercar, hmm. um, which presumably won't happen now. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I doubt it. Um, is Magnussen the best shout for Haas? I would have liked to see Fittipaldi in there, to be totally honest. I'd have liked um, to see Giovinazzi in there. Or Giovinazzi. Um... I don't think he's not deserving. Put it that no, way. I, no, think, I think. I think um, he's the same as Nick. We said this at the time. I think he's the same as uh, Hulkenberg. 
He deserves yeah. his heat. Yeah. But... Is he the best shout for it? Maybe not. Yeah. Completely agree. Will he do a good job? Most likely. Yeah, oh yeah. Apparently. He'll he'll apparently. drive properly. Um so multi he'll, he'll... apparently. Okay. Well that's interesting for him as well. That opens up more possibility, doesn't it? And it shows that the team has got some uh some backing for it as well. Well yeah, it shows um, they've got confidence in him and themselves, so that's positive. Um, yeah. It doesn't look yeah. like a bad car, to be fair to House. No, it looks it fairly good. Doesn't. I mean, the it times looks pretty are, good. Time, whether or not they're glory running with the times, we don't know. But this is it, isn't it? And we, and we the, also the car looks solid. The, the day it does, yeah. They've had a decent amount of laps, generally speaking. They've done a good, a solid amount of laps. Not the most laps out of everybody, but I mean, they haven't had any major problems. Were, no, ba- yeah, nothing too major. No. I mean, um, think of think of um, the 2019 car. The one which kept spinning because they kept because the whole aero package was broken. Yeah. Or um, um, the twenty twenty Melbourne spec. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the same car, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two thousand eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Same car. Um, yeah. But it, this, we, I mean, we we expected this car to be a lot better than its predecessor. Um, and it looks like it's more of a, a um, potential winner than it's than that was. I expect Hass to get points this year. I expect them to get points. Oh, definitely. I think if they don't get points, something's gone very, very wrong for them. Put it that way. Um, Do we I mean, expect was it they... not to get points this year? I'd like to think everyone's going to get a decent amount of points. Not just points, but a decent amount of them. Yeah. Um, Purely because I think that the the, the racing is going to be closer, and I think actually mechanical problems, maybe maybe not engine necessarily, but things like puncturing tires if there's much more locking up and mm-hmm. or bending suspension through porpoising or breaking the floor or whatever um, could be an interesting thing to consider as well. Of that maybe a setup that's a bit more conservative. That, that, but that gets you to the end is is a better one than one that is quicker in qualifying because obviously because of Park Fermi they've kind of got to decide haven't they one or the other. Do we think that um, if they're locking up and porpoising and general car imbalance carries on through the year, we'll see more pit stops and therefore better. Sorry, uh, not better, just more variance in the strategies. Uh, yeah, potentially. Yeah, it could open up different different race strategies, couldn't it? If you um... They're also, well, they don't have to start the race on their Q2 tyre anymore, do they? I mean, that's so, um, I'd, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting change to go back on. Um, but it does that, I think, will probably, if anything, hinder different strategies. Um, but it might open up more possibility if the guy on pole thinks, well, I'm just going to run away and go long on my tyres, put a harder compound on. Um, or I'll just run away and pit early and put the really softs on. So I don't know. We'll see. But um, I think more pit stops is better for the more the the more long term fans, if that makes sense. The guys mm-hmm. that have been watching motorsport for a lot longer, more pit stops and better strategies probably better for newer fans. I 
pit stops get can get a bit confusing with who's done what and who needs to do what and things well, like okay, that. So... Now, now we've got the, our stats powered by AWS and all that, all that crap that they put on the screen now instead of just, <laughs> instead of just working it out. Yeah, uh, it's all spoon-fed now, isn't it? But, uh, yeah. What, uh, what, we'll what, see. What, what new fun graphic will Formula 1 put on the screen this year, Sam? Who knows? Who knows? There was that big one, wasn't it? I don't know if you saw this during the testing, where it, the car drives past the speed that it's doing, um, which is what? like you know, the, you know, like the green screen sponsorship that they've had before. Yeah, they basically did that where the speed was rendered next to the circuit, and as the car came into the corner, it drove past the big rendering of the speed. Why? Well, I don't really know. <laughs> Um, it looked, it the... just looked like something out of like Forza or something silly like that, but um, just, just well, silly. I don't know. Let's uh, let's close this up with a few hot takes. Uh, yeah. Quick fire, quick fire hot takes. Um, will one team struggle more than others? Yes. Which one? Mm, Alpine. Yeah, I agree. Weird. I also worry about Aston Martin, but that's. Uh... That's, I'm going to keep quiet on that because I put them to come third this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, will there be a bigger development race than normal despite the limited budgets? Yes, but it won't be as obvious, I don't think. I don't. It may be in lap time, but there won't be a team turning up with a new front wing, completely new front wing or anything. You you just won't see that. It'll be tiny little adjustments. Will anybody copy Mercedes' uh, slide pods? I don't think they can. I think Williams be could. Williams, maybe. They're probably the only ones They're quite who close would... already. Yeah. I don't think anyone could actually change their design that fundamentally now. Um, what other ones? Will there be a more a free horse or more race for the title? I hope so. I really hope so. I think there probably will be at least three teams challenging. Um, I think Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull. But... I don't know. Maybe four. Four would be cool. McLaren up there as well. I think I hear you, Sam. My, uh, my, uh, my headphones started shouting at me. Oh. They started saying, battery is low. And I was like, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it'll be three, maybe four, if McLaren can sort out the issues that they've had in the Bahrain test. I think McLaren... I think McLaren will be the only top four team not to win a race. Mm, maybe. Possibly. But I mean, if the, I reckon there'll be lots more podiums for them this year. Um, I hope so. So do I. Um, and I think Lando, I think Lando could get a race win if the car, because I think they've been having problems with the braking system, haven't they? Which is one of the reasons that he's been locking tyres so much this in yeah. the Bahrain test and running off the circuit. And if they can resolve that, I think it looks like a fairly decent car. And last question. Will any of the midfield make that jump to the front? I don't know as the midfield. But what I do think is that that uh, 
Formula 1.5 or whatever we want to call it. What Kevin Max is call it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is going to be very, very close uh, and probably closer to the front teams than they have been. So I think that the, the gulf between fourth and last is going to be smaller, is what I mean. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the uh, Stevie Auto Show. Um, thank you, Sam, for for your insight and uh no we hope we hope that everybody enjoyed this one and uh is ready for the formula one season which starts this weekend so um, does give us a follow at stelvio auto on instagram facebook twitter reddit anyway have we got any, any other new ones this year sam no no my crash really? helmet yep yeah, follow sam's crash helmet uh yeah. <laughs> go to right house and and uh Ideally, that. follow it rather than lead it, please. <laughs> Wait, just just make sure it looks good at the back, um, and then people yeah. will have to have to fall back. That is or the go, time. That's the aim. Or if you're really really fast, just lap him, and so then you can see see the back of his helmet. No, but don't so, do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's gonna do it. Um, everyone have a, have a good evening. Take care and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>